0: This is a podcast where we talk about art supplies. Our aim is to educate and inform and help you become an expert on art supplies. If your job is to sell art supplies, then this podcast will be perfect for you. Or maybe you just want to know more about art supplies, in which case, this podcast is still perfect for you. This is the only podcast that deep dives into obscure, scientific, and historical fun facts relating to art supplies. that sounds good to you, then stick around and join us as we all attempt to become art supplies experts. Welcome back, dear listeners, to the podcast, a special podcast on this occasion. I'm in the house of Jim and Raquel Cobb. And for those of you who don't know, Jim was the founder of Cromer Australia, a famous manufacturer of paints in Australia. And I'm very fortunate to be able to speak with Jim and Raquel. And the aim is that we'll talk a little bit about the history of how Jim got into the business, and then a bit more about the actual art supplies that Chroma Australia produces. So a little bit of history and a little bit of art materials information all rolled into one. So Jim, Chroma started way back in 1965. That's when you first mixed up some paint and started selling it.
1: Long time ago.
0: Yes, indeed. But your history of making paint went back even further than that.
1: It goes back to childhood. Yeah. What I remember, at the age of about five or six, I discovered... The the tomato plant and the potato plant, which both have very similar leaves, were very squashable and full of green color. So that's when I started my painting career basically, squashing tomato leaves. (laughs) Did you manage any other colour besides green? Was there anything no. else you were? <laughs> Tomatoes only come or plants only come in green. Yes. Yep. So, so I was about six years old. Yes. Did you do a lot of painting then as a child? As a
0: as a oh, young yes. right.
1: I started at that age.
0: It doesn't seem like a very common childhood to be exposed to painting, or was it well, I was lived
1: it- in the country.
0: Right. Were your friends in the country your childhood friends, were they also painting?
1: No, I didn't have any friends, not because I'm a horrible person, <laughs> but because we were isolated.
0: Oh, okay. What sort of property was it? Was it a big sort of sheep or cattle property with or a, something?
1: It was a sheep property, and so I had lots of sheep, but they weren't a good audience. So you ended up becoming
0: an art teacher as your first job yeah. as an adult is is that was that your first job as an art teacher yes and how did you find the experience of teaching people yes. art in a classroom? Was this high school or primary school high school did you enjoy it
1: It was quite enjoyable actually. it didn't last very long in my case because very shortly afterwards i started making paint because I could see there was an emerging market.
0: This is back in 1965. And acrylic paint was a new thing.
1: Acrylic paint as a species of paint was new at that stage. So it wasn't just acrylic paint as we think of it now, as a, you know, an alternative to oil paint, it was new, new, new to everyone. So it was a new experience all round.
0: And there was a limited amount available from overseas and is that how you became aware of it?
1: No, it, it wasn't limited. It was expensive, So that's really what created the opportunity to make and sell paint here. I could do it much more cheaply than the Americans did it. So that's how it started. And I think I need to say to people it was brand spanking new. Mm. All acrylic paint was alarmingly new. The closest comparison with oil paint. So it was really a new experience playing around with acrylic paints. No one knew what you could do with them at that stage. It must have been exciting. It was,
0: yeah. How many years it,
1: had you been teaching at this point? This is sort of pre-teaching, I suppose, Right, as I'm deciding to take up paint manufacture.
0: Ah, so it was even before you started teaching, you were thinking about becoming a paint manufacturer.
1: Yes. As soon as I saw the paint and saw the prices, I realised there was a, an opportunity somewhere. So I imagine in that circumstance
0: you have to then think, well, I need an acrylic binder and I need various pigments and yeah. I need a shed somewhere and some mixing equipment yeah. and I need to start mixing and start putting it in yeah. tubes and start experimenting. More or less of
1: the, the scale of um, the domestic scale and most people had or probably still have a mixing device I'm not quite sure what it's called. Like, like you use using it a kitchen. A mixer. A mixer for, for making omelettes and... Right, um, in the kitchen. Yes, a kitchen mixer.
0: So you started with a kitchen mixer. Yes. And then the mixers just got bigger and bigger.
1: They got bigger, yes.
0: And it was in a shed somewhere, eventually. Sorry? And somewhere... In a shed. You eventually had to hire a shed as you got bigger and bigger, I guess. Yes. Yes. So I guess the early days you were experimenting with different pigments and other additives and things that you needed. Of course,
1: I had to put the whole thing together. It's quite complex making it an artist's paint. You've got to know what you're doing. Mm. And, of course, I didn't know what I was doing, so I had to... Progress as I went along.
0: Was it difficult to find the materials that you needed, the pigment um, and the other?
1: No, the because, of course, there's the paint industry, which supplies the house paint industry and any other colour industry that's around. And there are several other consumers of pigments, and so the raw materials are all available here in Australia, some of them manufactured by the same companies that produce the American ones. And the challenge for you was to
0: thicken the paint that was being used in, in automotive
1: industry, is that right? The had challenge to- was to find out how to make paint, just even how to make paint was the first problem. So I had a lot of learning
0: to do. Tim, what was the reaction when you made up your paint and I guess you walked into different schools, knocked on the door and started trying to sell it? What was the reaction? Was the response positive initially? Were they very keen? Was it hard to sell it or easy to sell it?
1: I think we have to bear in mind that acrylic paints were totally new. And teachers, when you asked me whether they were excited or not, some of them were, and some of them, I think, have a lot of trouble getting excited about anything. The unexcitable ones probably hated the idea of having acrylic paints around because the effect was so powerful that they had to get used to them, whereas the ones that were interested, they had a lovely new toy that they could play with. So there were two sort of approaches to the subject.
0: Up until that time, they were just using some sort of water-based paint that would just...
1: No, the powdered colour, or powdered colour which had been converted into wet paint with a very primitive binder, so very liquid. So there was no paint then available, which had a consistency. And acrylic paint has a consistency not dissimilar to oil paint. And so that was totally new at that point in time. So it wasn't just a new kind of paint, it was a completely new adventure with, with artist's paints that you could use in the
0: school. That first paint became what is now called Chromacryl. Is, is that right? Yes. Was it called Chromacryl back then? Was that the name you gave it? Or yes. Did, and then subsequent to that, you've since developed other brands such as Josonia and Atelier Interactive and A2 and Free Flow and,
1: yes. and a bunch of other brands. But well, <clears throat> one of those brands, the Joe Sonia brand, had a built-in audience as well, which were the folk artists who were just starting in Australia at that time, so... They needed a different kind of paint. It had to be liquid, it had to be in bottles so it could be poured as on a different scale of use from the tube colours which had to be like other soil paints. They had to be thick Mm -hmm. and Liquitex was the first thick acrylic paint to appear in Australia. Followed by Crayoncore and
0: Joe Sonia was then a better quality paint with more light fast. Yeah. Um, well, the pigments. same
1: important, I thought, to have the same light fastness as artist's paints, which was a basically a good thought because it still does that, and it is important. The people that are doing decorative painting, that the paint lasts. Just as important as it is for fine artists. Mm. How would you like to spend maybe weeks painting a table and then find out it's going to
0: fade? Yes. Or even worse, spending thousands of dollars on a painting and then finding it out a year later that it's started to fade. Yes. So you are c- conscious of using the light fast pigments. Oh yes. So Joe Sonia is a matte finish paint, yes. so, and that was named after a lady who was prominent in the folk art yes. world. Yes, I believe she her full name is Joe Sonia Jansen. That's right. Yeah. Yes, I believe she's still alive oh, yes. in the United she States. She must be. So then, other brands have followed um A two and free flow a2
1: and free flow came much later. free flow has a liquid consistency but it paints like a gouache that's already been diluted to a paintable consistency that's the easiest way of describing free flow and a two
0: how would you describe a2?
1: A2 is a, an artist's quality consistency and it's cheaper than artist's quality paints but it does use artist's quality pigments. When we spoke previously, you mentioned
0: that mediums are important. And yes, they
1: are. Uh, uh, of course, people can do paintings without mediums and they might not always be works of genius, I'm afraid, but that does happen. And the rest of the story is people that are really interested have to explore the mediums, find out what mediums suit the kind of work they're trying to do, which can be quite variable. Some of them are some of the mediums are thick, some of them are medium viscosity, some of them are quite liquid, so you you have to explore the lot how when you were doing your painting, how would
0: you typically use mediums yourself?
1: you use whatever medium suited the kind of painting you're doing, so thick or thin, basically. There were variations in viscosity and of course, the volume of paint being used was bigger. The medium is usually consumed, I'm not trying to think, probably anything up to four or five times the volume of the paint itself. Really? To make Paler transparent colours.
0: Jim, I found a book by Tricia Roost called Using Chroma Art Materials. I found that one quite useful and informative when it comes to describing how to use the different mediums in the Chroma range. Thick painting medium is about the same consistency as Atelier Interactive. Middle medium will thin the paint a little bit. Thin medium will thin the paint a lot. It's fairly yes, self explanatory. So, uh, if you're thickening, it will extend the drying time and allow, allow you to work wet in wet for longer yeah. periods. Middle medium will help you with glazing. I like this one also helps rejuvenate older paint, which has thickened. So, if you've got some old paint that's getting a bit too thick, you could sort of rejuvenate yeah. it and bring it back to yeah. life with some of the middle medium and thin medium great for fine lines so yeah to thicken to thin to help you with adding texture help with adding transparency
2: glazing is very important when you use the middle medium especially the middle medium is very good for glazing why
0: would that be better than th- thin medium because
2: the thin medium is good for glazing but it thins down the paint to nearly a watercolor quality but the middle medium is the, in the middle is okay. the ideal for glazing. Right. Yeah.
0: Yep. Okay. And gels. Why are some of these mediums, if you like, called gels and some not? What makes it a gel?
1: Different kind of thickness.
2: Gels can be really, really um, smooth, like like a smooth paste. Or it can be very thick, like if you look at that way. Yes. That is the work of your McLeod. Yes. He uses very thick gels that's to right. achieve that quality, the quality of nearly oils. But that's acrylics. He paints with your yes. And add these gels, we're talking really, really thick, to get that quality.
0: Right. So mediums will either thicken or thin. They'll add body or they'll make it more runny. Some will have a matte finish or a satin or a gloss finish, depending what you want. Some will be slow drying and some will be quick drying. Yes. Yes. Some will act like a glue for sticking things.
2: Very good, yes, especially for collage.
0: Some mediums will seal over a... And help protect the yeah. artwork. Yep. So, yeah, there's a range of different features depending on the medium and what you wanted to do. Just pick the right one yeah. for the purpose that you're yes. using. I remember from a previous discussion that you weren't that keen on watercolor and you felt that with acrylics, you could do what other people do with watercolor. Would you like to just talk
1: about that, Jim? Of course. You can do enormous acrylic watercolours that are actually a watercolour because of the way they're used, that they could be six feet by six feet. You can't do that really, it's possible I suppose, with traditional watercolours, but I don't think I've ever seen a really large watercolour.
2: Particularly the free flow? Yes. It's the ideal. You can water it down or, yeah. or with add...
1: middle medium.
2: Thin, thin medium yes. or middle medium. Yes. And it becomes a watercolour. And you yeah. can use a brush, an enormous brush, and just brush it on.
0: And use a lot of the same techniques that you would use in yeah. watercolour. I remember that. Also, I remember, Raquel, just moving away from art supplies just onto a way to approach art, for example, and... You were talking about a problem with people painting from photographs and the tendency to want to copy the photograph. Would you like to talk about that?
2: Yes. Not um,
1: really. They they just have to learn not to do it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's it's hard. It's difficult because there are so many people that when they have a photograph – the attitude is to copy exactly. So the, the artwork has to be exactly like the photograph. And I always encourage them to interpret the photograph. There is nothing wrong to have a photograph as a reference, but change colors. Add something that comes from you, like change the color combination, add textures. But are, most of people are very afraid... Mm. Of doing that, because they think that following a photograph step by step, they will at the end they will get a good painting, but it's not a good painting I mean there are thousands of people that are using photographs and they are using the photograph to copy it yes uh, to me, to paint is to be yourself is to the way that you apply paint with the paintbrush, the way you scratch your painting, the way you mix, and especially the way you use colors, is very personal. It's it's connected with your personality, with your feelings, with emotions. It has to come from you, and you have to be encouraged to present in that way, your, your artwork, I mean. But unfortunately, people think that if they don't follow the photograph, they won't get a good artwork at the end.
0: I can see how it's constraining to feel limited by a photograph, to feel that there will always be the comparison made as to whether you reproduced the photograph.
2: I think a lot of people, especially people from galleries and art dealers or people who is interested in buying paintings, for those people it's very easy to realise that it has been Painted by following a photograph. But they, they, the idea is to change nature. If we, I remember seeing a photograph of a boat in, on a river uh, many years ago. It, this is connected to Sasan. And Sasan used that area, which was a very ugly industrial area with the vegetation was sort of like dirty greens and the boat was not a very attractive color. He painted that and transformed that into a beautiful painting. And that's what I always said to them. You can look at a garden and you can think about you don't have to paint everything green. You can add blues and pinks and different Mm. colors I always look at paintings from the Impressionist movement and people from like Bonnard, Cézanne, and the other group of paintings called the Fauves. That is Duran, the main painter there, and Matisse. The way they change, they create a new world, a reality, and mm. it's your, the reality that you want to create is, and that is art I mean
0: yes and quite liberating. Yes, it's and, so yes.
2: liberating. It's so mm. I was painting the other day and I had a pink surface and some very dark lots and lots of dark trees. And I didn't like the dark trees and I put white on it and it became something different. And it was really lovely. They looked like pieces of gums trees and I thought yeah, I like this, and I'm going to make it like little bird's nest because someone, when you go to the desert, you see holes on the trees yes. where birds nest. Yes. But I wasn't going to paint the tree and the nest and the way it looks. It's, it's the idea, the, the idea that, you know, you want to interpret, you're going to say something. Mm. This is the way I want to say something. This yes. is the way I want to paint the gum trees and the birds.
0: You've told me once a story... That was really quite sad about a parent and a child. What happened when the parent came in and saw the child's artwork? Yes. What happened? The parent.
2: When the parent tear up the painting.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the parent looked at it and thought, this is no good. Of and course. And tore up the painting.
2: Yes. That was, it was a sad thing to see because she obviously didn't understand, this lady didn't understand the child. Uh, interpretation of what he had in front of him because mm. we were painting objects. And obviously a child, not even artist, is not going to be concerned with perspective. Mm. So she was very upset about that. And <laughs> children, are, in my opinion, children are the best artists. They are absolutely wonderful. I mentioned to you before that when I was tutoring at QUT, students from the School of Early Childhood, I always uh, talk to them about being courageous, being courageous about encouraging the children to express their idea. In the, They don't need more encouragement, I have to say, but then to the parents, when you present the artwork to the parents, you have to be courageous yes. to, and to explain you know, the point of view of the child. I had another experience in Alice Springs, actually, in a school with, of indigenous children. And there was a girl who wasn't verbal. She was about seven years old. And it was about the self. We did a painting about the self, a self-portrait. But they had to imagine themselves. They had to uh, see in their mind the kind of hair, the color of the hair, the color of their eyes, and if they have to see themselves in their minds. And there was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful reaction to all of them. Some of them painted themselves blonde because probably in their mind they wanted to have blonde hair. Yes. And I found it wonderful. And the, the girl who was non-verbal painted the best portrait, the best self-portrait because she was given the opportunity to to express ideas about herself in a different language, the visual language.
0: Yes. Mm. Yeah.
2: You go up to now the people over 60s, there are a lot of people doing art, a lot of people, what Uh they do is is amazing, And, and it's so good for them because there is also the expressive aspect but also the social aspect of having a cup of tea together. I just recently went to see an exhibition of a group that operates from Yeronga, a community center, I think it's called. And I couldn't believe how productive they were. The amount of painting that everybody Mm. had. It's amazing. And that, I think, is really important, too, at the Mm. other end of life, Mm. at the the early childhood and the over-60s. And it's something that... Nobody thinks it's going to sell paintings. It's just paint. Yes. Tell stories. Create stories. Invent stories. Say something about yourself. It's so important.
0: Well, we hope you enjoyed that episode. If you want more information about the episode or this podcast, you can look at the show notes and there will be information there. There will also be information about how to contact us, give us some feedback, ask us some questions maybe correct us if we have made a mistake if you really like the show and you want to help us then the best way to do that is to tell your friends the people you think might be interested in this podcast tell them about the podcast get them to subscribe pass the word around that really is the best way to promote a podcast is by word of mouth and if you'd like to help us that's the best way you can do it okay until next time bye for now